Welcome back to another episode of Tower Talks, a conversational podcast from Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. We're connecting you to the cathedral from afar, the docents, volunteers, staff, and artists who have each contributed to make the cathedral such a special place to be. In this week's episode, we're talking to Andy, aka Clift, Cephalus, a longtime docent and professional tour guide in D.C. Andy grew up around the cathedral, quite literally. His parents met and worked there, his mother on the administrative side, and his father as a master sculptor and stone carver. Combining the influence of his father's work around the cathedral and the district with his own passion for history, Andy has a particularly interesting understanding of the cathedral as part of the fabric of both DC and the American story at large. Andy's also just a kind, funny guy who makes everything you're talking about engaging and entertaining, so it was truly a pleasure to interview him for this podcast. So, here's Andy on this week's episode of Tower Talks. So Andy, how about you introduce yes. yourself to the listeners at home? Who are you and where do you come from? Okay, uh, my name is Andy Seferlis and I'm docent or volunteer at the National Cathedral. I'm a native of Washington, D.C. I was born at Sibley Hospital a couple of miles from the cathedral. And my relationship with the cathedral started um, sort of before I came about. Um, let me explain. So. Um, my parents were employed by the foundation. So my father was a sculptor and a carver who came to the cathedral in the spring of 1960. My mom had been a graduate of one of the cathedral schools, Beauvoir, the elementary school, the class of 1939, and then had cycled back to the cathedral in the 1960s to work for a gentleman named Dick Feller, who was the clerk of the works. At that time, the clerk of the works office was in charge of those people involved in the fabrication of the building and the construction. So that would be sculptors, carvers, masons, etc. And that's where they met. And so um, I have been at the cathedral literally since about 1970. I remember nothing of it because I was <laughs> zero. But that, that was going to be one of my questions was, did you have a, a remembrance of your first impression of the cathedral? But it sounds like that's a no. Uh, well, my first impression at the age of zero was a no. <laughs> I would say by the age of three and four, I had some pretty clear memories because I was also at Beauvoir. And what we would do is we would go over and see my dad at lunchtime would be working on the scaffolding. I remember specifically on the south side of the building. At that point, they had built about three quarters of it. So the nave was moving from east to west. And he would throw us lunch from the scaffolding. He was about, um, about three stories up. And then we would go and meet him and eat lunch in the Bishop's Garden. And there were always grapes. That's what I remember. That's kind of amazing. Um, I also love that instead of carrying lunch down with him, he was like, I know, I will expedite this process and just drop it. <laughs> he he was pretty efficient. He just pitched it from the scaffolding. Whatever survived, we ate. Whatever didn't, whatever. <laughs> it went to the birds or whatever. <laughs> the, the squirrels. Yeah. I mean, you kept them well fed, so it's fine. Absolutely. You know, it's just not about me. Yeah. So you've been with the cathedral sort of community since, you know, in utero, <laughs> like infancy. Right, pretty much. How long have you... <laughs> How long have you been giving tours of the cathedral in either a docent capacity or as a tour guide in DC, which you also do? I would say for the better part of, um, well, let's, let's put this as more of a professional standpoint. I would say since about 2003, I had been there giving tours. And as a docent, 
Last year, I was to receive my 15-year pin as a volunteer docent at the cathedral, but of course, I was on tour in New York, so I missed it. Um, so let's just say about 15 solid years of being a volunteer at the cathedral as both a docent and then also as a city guide giving tours to groups and individuals from elsewhere. Very cool. So in those years of touring, what have you learned about the cathedral in terms of hidden gems or sort of something that people don't necessarily pick up on right away, but really speaks to you or you like to point out? I think it's the, I think it's the, the misunderstanding about the place in general. One of the things I do that I've gotten pretty consistent with doing is asking my student groups, okay, there's a student group, let's say seventh, eighth graders, I say, first and foremost, do they have church here? That sounds like a very strange question to be asking a bunch of kids who have elected to come to the cathedral as part of their itinerary, but it also speaks to me about how we have veered away from sort of the traditional way we've been touring and how we've been interpreting in the last 15 to 20 years in this country. The other thing is I think people are very confused by what a cathedral is when they learn about the history and the complicated sort of birth certificate of our cathedral. I think they're even more confused until you have to explain to them. And of course, everyone thinks it's Catholic because that's all they know about with cathedrals. Always. Everyone thinks it's Catholic. <laughs> it's not. It's Episcopal. It's, it's not the shrine. <laughs> Yeah. So when you're working with those student groups, what is the sort of favorite blow their mind story that you like to sort of shatter expectations with? Because I feel like knowing you as a person, <laughs> that's one of the things right, that I love right. about the way you give tours. I would say that one of the things that we is probably taking things like urban myths or trying to put a timeline for the American story and the things they're going to see in this city into context to the relationship of what they see at the cathedral, i.e., Let's say we begin, as, as long as the groups are not sort of on top of each other, I like to do my tours sort of at the end of the day, it's a little more quiet. I like to begin by taking them into the Washington Bay. I stay sort of on the perimeter of it, so we're keeping within the, um, the guidelines of what the student group should be, no matter what time of day it is. And I point to the two carvings of both Mount Vernon and Independence Hall, and I say, well, apparently there was some story to George Washington and having a national church. So do you think George Washington never came to church here? And about 99% of the time they say yes. So we have to then kind of pedal back and say, just a minute, let's, let's talk about this, about what was here when George Washington was president, where he was president, and what Mount Vernon looked like, and what Washington looked like. And so once I have that in my head, I can then direct the tour to putting in context things that they have seen or things they will see and why they end up in this building in some form of artistic discipline, you know, stone or maybe glass or maybe wood. Sort of related to that, I think one of the things that we talk about sort of behind the scenes at the cathedral is how to engage with visitors who are coming to this space from a secular perspective more so than a religious. Yeah. That's right. particularly true of student groups, but could be true of adults too. How would you say the cathedral resonates for folks who are coming from that perspective? Or how have you sort of seen that shift in your time as a docent? I think it's been... I think it's been very easy to transition into that because it's always been there. We have never, at least in my experience with the cathedral, we have never been especially um, aggressive about promoting a overtly Christian 
message to the American story. It's been, I mean, it's been very measured. It's been very sort of Episcopalian, if I can use that word. Mm -hmm. But what I like to do is I like to point out for people who I, without any kind of, um, let's see, without any kind of personal questioning, I can figure out soon enough if they are familiar or they're not familiar. You know, and I'd like to find out, are you at least semi-literate in the Bible? Do you know? Do you not know? And do you like the American story? What's your favorite part about it? Okay, so you give me a little snippet. Here we go. And we're off and running. And I guarantee that within two bays of walking into the cathedral's nave, we have found something that they have stopped to think about, um, really ponder, or basically be in awe of because they had no idea it was here. And then we can go from there and talk about not so much the religious, but the fact that this is the national cathedral. It is the nation's cathedral. And then we start explaining away what that means as opposed to the cathedral of St. Peter and St. Paul. And there's a very, very marked distinction between those two, if I can put it that way. That makes sense to me. And I think when you visit the cathedral, you do get that sense of the duality of it, but not necessarily, like you said, in an aggressive way. It's just, this is here and this, you know, the religious aspect is absolutely part of it because that's what a cathedral is. But there's also this sense of just groundedness in American history and place and culture that is complementary, we should say, to those No, things. it is complementary. In, in addition to being complementary, it's also very inclusive. We can walk down, as I have walked down with a group that was primarily Jewish. They were from a reformed congregation and they were fascinated. Their, their interest was especially piqued with how many pieces of iconography they found that made the connection. You know, when they got to the crossing that was a little more decidedly Christian, that's when there was obviously a little less involvement, but they, they were spotting things that even showed me here and there and everywhere in the name. So it was fascinating. Speaking of, what are some like things in the cathedral? Because it's impossible to learn everything about the cathedral basically in a right. lifetime, right? Like we're always being like, oh, look at that cool thing. What's something you learned about the cathedral <laughs> recently or was pointed out to you by a visitor that really surprised or sort of intrigued you and you were like, oh, that's cool? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think it was, it was nothing in particular that was surprising but what it was was it was a conversation about the what we call the lewis and clark window and how this person who had come from i want to say they had come from new mexico and then via colorado and they were very familiar with just sort of the the simple things about the way they built teepees i know it sounds very you know kind of common but they were looking closely at how this was depicted in that window and they said they got it right you know, we don't think about that because obviously we don't have a lot of teepees in Washington, D.C. in the environment. But mm -hmm. when you see people coming who are very familiar from a historical or from a you know, preservation standpoint, and to see them kind of give a thumbs up to how this was done, it also gives further credence that we have done our depiction of the American story correctly. That's actually cool. Uh, that reminds me of this. It's the 4-H window has a similar thing, right? Or It's not yeah. the window, but the, the statue in St. John's chapel, yes. yeah, where yeah. we always point out the tractor, <laughs> where the wheels are on backwards. Yes. <laughs> if anyone knows that story, you're just going to have to, you know, look it up, Google it, think about it for a little while, because I'm bad at telling that story. But it brings me such joy to know that the wheels of the tractor are on backwards. <laughs> we make mistakes. Yeah. I'm a city girl. I didn't know the difference. So... <laughs> 
Um, what, this is sort of a divergence, but I'm, I like this question a lot. What's your favorite question that you get on a tour? And what's the answer to that question? Um, I think the, uh, it, I, I can make it a little bit personal. The question that I get most often, because I, even though sometimes with the sheer volume of people in the building, I do my very best to bring people downstairs. I think it is very, it, it, it's very difficult to not do the whole building because you have to understand where it all begins. And that is architecturally, structurally, and iconographically in the crypt. It all begins there. When we get over to the last stop for the student group and also for the public tours, the gather tours, what we call them, it's the, the, the issue of burial in the cathedral. You know, they look at the gate in St. Joseph's Chapel and they say, well, how how do you get buried in the cathedral? Because first of all, they have to know what a cathedral is. Then we have to explain away what the cathedral is not. And then we have to explain why there's 200 plus people buried here, including Helen Keller. They can understand Woodrow Wilson and if they know George Dewey, that's one thing, but really buried in the cathedral? So that's one of my favorite questions. Um, and then I have to sort of gently explain it's a complicated topic, but it is possible. So jumping back, a couple of questions, yes. but sort of yep. looping it all together, you are somebody who has a wide spectrum of knowledge about DC history, American history, all these things, because you come from a history background, right? Right, yes. So how would you say the cathedral fits into that broader landscape of cultural sites in DC? And what connections do you hope visitors sort of take away from their DC travels in general, but also as the cathedral as part of that fabric? I would say that there are very few places in this country and very few places in this city that literally envelop most of the story of this country in one place. And that would be the cathedral. Now, I'm gonna pit the cathedral against the Capitol. And I know that when people take the Capitol tour, they are overwhelmed by the Redcoats and how much they know. There's a, the, the chief of the U.S. Capitol Historical Society, Steve Livengood, is an encyclopedia. He is unbelievable in how nonchalant he is about knowing every single painting, every single bit of art in the building. Well, the same could be said for some of the longtime docents of the cathedral. The stark difference is that at the Capitol, you will rarely find something religious. You may find maybe a reference to it or otherwise, I mean, minus the apotheosis of Washington or otherwise, but it's not really as um, welcome in the fabric as it would be in the cathedral, but the cathedral, in addition to being a religious structure, is also an American history story. And how did we get there? Well, we got there by doing the very same things we do every day, and then we would take time to go pray or whatever, or however we respect the tradition um, on a Sunday or on a Thursday night or whatever, but it's all in one, it's all there. Mm -hmm. um, and there are very few places in the city of Washington, and again, very few places in the country that can exhibit both of those congruently without any issue. And remember, the fact that it is a national cathedral and the fact that if you, again, have to in the beginning explain to people what the word national cathedral means, depending on how interested they are, you can really get into the whole story like, oh, the NCA and the chapter of the NCA from Indiana or from South Carolina or from Kentucky and look at their contribution. So in the very charter and organization of the building and its history, 
you realize that we not we didn't have input from on high with a bunch of people. We literally had input from this country. We had competitions. We had all kinds of things. Hey, country, here we go. Submit. Mm-hmm. And and there's not a lot of places in D.C. that can claim that. That's true. I mean, even as recently as the Darth Vader gargoyle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Darth Vader gargoyle was a, you know, was chosen by the people. Like that wasn't just us being exactly. like, all right, we're nerds. We're gonna put this up there. Although the cathedral is run by nerds, I will say that that's true. That's fun. Nerds are cool. Nerds are yeah. cool. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, I think it's true. Like the cathedral is kind of an amalgamation of everyone's contribution, and that not one contribution is not necessarily weighted more so or less so, which is kind of cool. Um, right. And it really builds this the cathedral building as not just a place that is brick and mortar, but a place of community and living history in a way that I think it is. Yeah, you really can't and, ignore when you walk in the door. No, and 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 the direction. I don't know if this is going to harken to another question or not. But the other thing that we've done in our leadership, for those of us who have been there for a long time, we very quietly pay attention to the direction. You know, we pay attention to our bishop, to the dean, to the people who are on the chapter. Uh, we may not know them. We may not have direct audience with them, but obviously their decisions and their maneuvers are felt pervasively throughout the institution. And I would say that right now, under the direction of the bishop and the dean, we are probably the most welcoming and open place we have been in some time. That is not to say anything disparaging about anybody who was at the helm in the past. There was elements in in the national story that contributed to the cathedral being in a difficult place, but that wasn't anything more than the national story, like what we're having right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that, you know, we have a dean whose mission is hospitality. Um, We have a bishop who has been remarkable at building community. And I think that that is something that hopefully people leave with either service or concert or event or whatever. Yeah, I think one of the things that I personally just find really valuable at the cathedral is that in a lot of ways it meets you where you are. Yes. And you don't have to know everything. And if you do, then that's great. But you also don't have to walk in with some expectation and the cathedral is not going to basically judge you. It's basically like, enjoy this thing. No, it's not going to judge you. And that is something that you you don't find... Um, let, let me let me share one story when I was in in, um, in university in, in New York, and I remember I, I stopped in the St. Patrick's one Sunday. I was on my way to work, and I stopped in. It was probably about a half hour before one of the masses on Sunday morning, and I remember there was a, a a fellow in there, and I think he had his partner with him, and they were sort of walking up the aisle, and he had on the back of his of his uh, jacket a, a political statement, something about the Catholic Church and their views or whatever. I don't remember. It doesn't really ring to me. But anyways, you don't find that at the cathedral. You don't find people coming in with sort of a a preset notion and how dare they, or you wouldn't come in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's pretty simple. You come because you're welcome and you come because you're curious and you will find that return to you tenfold when you leave. Yeah. So if you had to pick, what's your favorite thing about the cathedral? The fact that in what I just said, Everyone is welcome no matter what, period, end of subject. And what are you most excited about when we reopen? Like, what's the thing that you're like, I got to get back to this? Oh, Lord. Um, I'm curious to see how, as a cathedral, 
as a religious institution, we quietly um, conduct, knowing that we have missed the most important time of, of the liturgical calendar, the most important time of the religious calendar. Because at this point, we'll be into, for as much as I'm not well-versed, I think we're going to be sort of going, once we get past Ascension Day, into, I think, ordinary time. And here we are. We're in ordinary time, but we have missed Easter because we are closed. That's from, let's say, the cathedral as a cathedral. As an event space, I am curious to see what summer will look like. I'm curious to see how are we going to, how are we as a cathedral, how are we as an event space, as a, as a public place, how are we going to make up for a considerable amount of lost revenue. You know, that's something that is of great concern to all of us. We have lost so much in terms of um, numbers, you know, mm -hmm. and that goes in every respect. We've lost visitors, we've lost experiences, we've lost all kinds of chances, but yeah. this is nothing we could foresee or nothing we could help. That's true. I mean, we're hoping, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, part of the creation of this podcast is to try to maintain some semblance of connection to people some way yes. somehow through this crazy time <laughs> and yes. not you know not so subtly in the hopes that they come back <laughs> and say hello in right. person when they can and right. you know it's very hard to be away from a physical place right now like when it is so grounded in that place and the experience of the cathedral is very physical and so that is that is a question on my mind too yeah yeah it, it'll be i think with the brilliance and i'm, I'm being very promotion here with the brilliance that which the cathedral runs things and the way that they run the calendar and the way that they get things going and you're looking months and weeks out of things going on i'm very curious as to what the what the powers that be in all divisions are planning on doing to physically say okay so we lost a number of weeks we're gonna bring it right back to you in a different form and that's mm -hmm. what i'm hoping for and, but i also think from perhaps a religious standpoint is hopefully the cathedral will then anchor itself as a furthering destination for people who need to go in and sort of ask those hard questions about what's happened the last few months, mm -hmm. you know? And if you are unfortunately one of those people who experience either directly or by proxy, someone who is no longer with us, is that why you're there? And will we see that? Will that now become a, not necessarily significant, but will that now become a constant in the fabric of who comes in and why? Mm -hmm. I, I think there is a lot of need for a place of seriousness and a place of groundedness and meditation and yep. that kind of healing. And I hope yes. sort of like you, that the cathedral is able to offer that to people digitally for now and then physically when you know, we are able and it's safe. Right. Done. So this was wonderful. It's really good to catch up with you. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, we will communicate on email about things like food. Um, yeah. no, I forgot, sweet tooth or no sweet tooth? No sweet tooth. Yeah, that's the funny thing is I was talking to a, a teacher in Texas who also canceled, and um, he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, believe it or not, um, I'm, I'm losing weight because without having to ingest tour food, I'm down five pounds. Yeah, mine has been, as much as I love them, the docent core plies us with sugar all the time. All day. Kayla and her damn cookies. I know, and they're delicious. And how am I supposed to say no to that? Like, I know, I know. I know. What kind of monster turns down Ken Hopper's pie? I know, and then at the end of the day when they're there and they're like, no one's in there, you can be like, Ooh, no one's in uh -huh. here. It looks like an office cat stepped in it, I get it, but it's still delicious. Yeah. You can take it home. It's like having a birthday every day. Exactly. So being away from that environment has been very good for my digestive system and like my overall health, but it's been bad for the soul. <laughs> uh, 
Things I'm looking forward to, docent pie. (laughs) Docent docent pie and halo cookies. Exactly. (laughs) See you there. All right. Thank you. We should probably go before my internet completely conks out. (laughs) All right. We'll see you later then. All right. right. Thank you so much. Bye. A big thank you to Andy for participating in this week's episode, and as always, a big thank you to you for listening. To stay engaged with the Cathedral, don't forget to check out our online portal at www.cathedral.org for virtual tours, worship services, activities, and so much more. You can also follow us on your social media outlets of choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, to stay connected. As always, we hope this podcast finds you safe and well, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on Tower Talks.